Welcome to Comic Book Keepers, where we talk about comic book characters, their history, and their impact on our lives. I'm Lance, and today we return for another Crisis on Infinite Crossovers episode. And to dive into the world that we're going into today, I needed an equally awesome nerdy podcast friend to join me. I'm very excited and honored to have Matt, aka Mash from Hops Geek News, with me today. How you doing, Mash? Hey man, you flatter, you spoil, too kind, too kind. I am super stoked to be here because uh, we are just a knockoff version of what you guys are. The way you <laughs> dive into comic books and talk about all these stories, man, it is it is just like music to my ears. So thank you for having me on. Oh, thanks for the kind words. And you are definitely not a knockoff version. Our shows are very different from one another, which is why our listeners should definitely go check out Hopskeek News because it is a completely different style of show. So, Mash, do you want to explain a little bit about what Hopskeek News is? Yeah, so Lauren and I, Lauren, my co-host, we are a part of the Hops News Podcasting Network, which is basically the main show. We talk about beer, beer news, beer industry, since we're pretty prevalent in that world. But we have our spinoff show, Hopskeek News, which is us just drinking a good craft beer. And then we talk about things that we messed up on the episode previous, because, you know, you got to stay humble, right? And then we talk about what we're watching, what we're reading, giving some recommendations. And then we dive into the latest pop culture news and things that are going on, give our thoughts there. And then we usually dive into like a geeky topic. So whether it's a deep dive into a comic book character, getting you ready for the upcoming MCU shows or movies or even, you know, the boys, things like that. So, or we just finished our Star Wars month, which we dive into some topics there. So we kind of do that each week and yeah, it's a, it's a lot of fun to do. Yeah. It's, it's a really fun show. You and Lauren, AKA Hoppy Mommy have really good banter back and forth. She's extremely intelligent. She is way smarter. She's like the brain. She is way smarter than me. I'm just there to like press play and edit. And then she like does all sorts of crazy, insane research. And which would make sense. She's a lawyer by trade. So, you know, of course she's super smart. I'm just over here knuckle dragging. So <laughs> you, you, you balance each other very well. It's always a fun listen, checking it out. So everyone listening to this episode, make sure you jump over and subscribe, follow whichever podcast streaming platform you're on go check out hops geek news just like every crisis on infinite crossovers episode before these episodes are always dedicated to the life legacy and memory of george perez this is the first episode of crisis on infinite crossovers that we're doing since the passing of george perez we we knew it was coming it doesn't change the fact that it's still devastating to all of us nerds that grew up on his work that have his work has just made a really big impact in a lot of our lives so mash do you have a favorite comic or run by george perez man i do so george perez he he's an icon right he is somebody that as soon as you mention his name somebody right off the bat is like oh this is my favorite comic by him and what's great is you can ask 10 people in a room what their favorite George Perez run is. And you're probably going to get like 10 different answers most of the time. Cause that's just absolutely how much work he did. And he really put his impact into the community. And so my first kind of introduction and something that's my favorite is definitely crisis on infinite earths. You know, the, the DC mm-hmm. where, you know, anti-monitor was kind of trying to take over everything kind of gets killed and it culminates in a big kind of massive action sequence. And the reason why I love this so much is because I was relatively newer to comics when I picked it up 
and DC was always the first thing that I, I dove into. So by nature, I'm kind of leaning towards DC comics by just out of pure love. That's what I first got drawn into. And so this was the first comic where I was like, oh, wow, heroes can die. And not only that, but my favorite superhero of all time, the flash Barry Allen, he dies. And I was like, we can do that. Mm -hmm. It was just, I was so naive. And so I was like, we can do this now. Holy shit. And so it was just amazing. And everything was just so well-written kind of pulling all these pieces in so many different, you know, good guys, bad guys. And it was really my first introduction into a larger universe of comics, introducing all these different stories and people. And so it's always held such a really special place in my heart. And so I, I got to go crisis on infinite earths hands down is my favorite George Perez of all time. Yeah, that's a, that's a great choice. The, those covers, I, I am still blown away every single time I even look at the covers one, but then look in the interiors and just see how much he was able to fit on a single page it is just mind blowing. It's, it's truly insane. And he did more than just one crossover. He didn't just do DC, but he also did a pretty big saga on the Marvel side and doing not one, but multiple of these just showcases how talented he is and how much like just, it's crazy how much he fits into a page and how much it just jumps out to you and giving us a little, he's actually giving us a lot in, in the stories that are being told. So man, he's just, I, I'm sad that I won't get to discover that for the first time ever again, or see new works from him. But at the same time, it's, we have all these amazing stories that we can just look back on and still continue to pass on and then influence future writers and artists. Absolutely. They, there's so much work in his catalog so there's always more to discover, which is great just because he had such a long career and so well received. So again, we always want to say just thank you to George Perez and uh, we will miss you and we love you. On that note, moving on to other crossovers in mind today, we're going back in time. We're going to the year of 1994 where crossovers were abundant and publishers actually could agree on doing projects together. We're covering two of maybe the more broody characters that have crossed over in, in recent memory. We're covering the Batman spawn crossovers. You know, sometimes some of these people in publishers, just because they should do something doesn't mean they or can do something. Doesn't mean that they should do something. And I think this is a, a case, at least in one of the two comics we're going to talk about here, particularly yes. that Frank Miller run. Um, mm -hmm. But at the same time, I really missed the crossovers like this. It was so nostalgic same. for me just reading it because it's, it's a, a period piece almost. So you're taken back to the 90s with the language and the art styles. And it was just, oh man, it's, it's crazy. I wish, I hope we get more of these in the future. We need more crossovers like this in the future. I, I am a big fan of weird crossovers. One of the things that really sparked me wanting to collect was I, I found an issue of Amalgam and it was the uh, Speed Demon issue. Mm -hmm. And I had no, I, I, I had no clue what Amalgam was at the time. And so I was like, wait. Marvel and DC did this crossover and it just spun into this Wait, DC and image have done crossovers. Wait, this publisher did a crossover with this one. And so my collection, honestly, maybe 
it's bigger now. So maybe like a tenth of my collection it has something to do with weird crossovers. It's great. It's there's some really obscure ones out there too. It's like, wait, you can do like a, a dark horse and a Marvel or image and a DC or image in Marvel. And then when it comes to Marvel and DC crossing over, you're you all that comes to my mind when you think these two big properties are, oh, they just rip off each other's character names. Like Shazam, Captain Marvel, like all these names, they just steal each other's characters. But no, they actually cross over and work together, or at least they used to kind of frequently. It's awesome. There's so many cool crossovers that they've done over time. And it's like we decided to do a crossover themed format because all of these crossovers are so cool. Who would have thought to do that? <laughs> just perfect. Just absolutely perfect. I did this just because I also wanted to get my friends to read the weird crossovers too. So <laughs> I had I had some ulterior motives going on when I when I thought about doing this. <laughs> we are going to dive straight into the first issue of the day. So this is going to be Spawn Batman, which came out in March of 1994. This particular issue was published by Image Comics. It was written by Frank Miller, who is massively known for The Dark Knight Returns, his uh, prolific Daredevil run, as well as uh, the art done by Todd McFarlane, who is the uh, creator of Spawn. And uh, if you are like, wait, I know the McFarlane name. And you collect figures. Yeah, McFarlane Toys. That is this exact same person. The cover for Batman Spawn is actually an homage to the Dark Knight Returns issue number one. And something I didn't know about this book before we started doing the research for it is that it is, continuity-wise, it is in the same universe timeline as the Dark Knight Returns. You know, I had a feeling kind of, but I wasn't, I didn't know that actually going into this. I had no idea. So it's kind of cool to know that it's in that timeline, in that universe. Yeah, it, it makes sense. Like Frank Miller is involved. So he's like, oh, of course. Yeah, let's throw it in here because we can't include it in main continuity, but we can throw it in my continuity. Exactly. <laughs> Which to be fair, <laughs> The Dark Knight Returns is one of my favorite Batman stories of all time. So it is, it is a good universe and kind of cool especially how that batman story wraps up kind of in the end so i'm okay with it i'll allow it yeah i agree another thing that i thought was very cool is that even though this is technically like we just said this isn't in main continuity for batman or or spawn really is the fact that within spawn in issue 21 spawn starts to have a scar on his and his head for a long time people just believed it has to do with something that happens at the end of this issue that we're going to talk about uh it involves a batman throwing a particular object at spawn's face <laughs> but for a long time it was believed that that scar was because of batman and it was thrown into continuity and that was just stacked on the fact that in one of the issues spawn states that the scar was caused by the bozo in black. <laughs> it fits. Yeah. The, it's like the final scene of this comic book. And that's, I like that. See, I like that's when, you know what, these creators kind of pick up liberties from some of these stories, these things that you're like, Oh, they're one-offs. They don't really mean anything, but it kind of simple nods like that to going forward in the future and stuff. I love when people do that. Same. I'm such a sucker for these kind of things. Yep. Right there with you. 
Now, it was later retconned in the Spawn series that the person he's referring to, that's the Bozo in Black, is actually Harry Houdini. But I don't accept that. I think it's Batman still. I don't care. It's Batman. To me, my headcanon will always be that Batman caused that scar. I don't care who it is. It's going to be Batman until I die. I would argue that headcanon is is more relevant than actual uh, publisher canon. Especially in this world today. Canon's changing all the time. So I'm going to go ahead and it's Batman that caused the scar. There you go. We're calling it right now. <laughs> so, Mash, do you want to give like a general premise behind this particular issue? Yeah, so basically the issue opens up with Batman. He's fighting what he thinks is a Russian robot. And uh, he finds out that the person inside is not, in fact, Russian. And he destroys this robot. He's kind of really confused, but traces it back to Brooklyn, New York, essentially. So he travels to Brooklyn to kind of track down what's going on. Enter Spawn, who he kind of hears about. They, they clash, they meet up, they think they're each one each other, they're each other's enemy, essentially. And so they meet up with some really just, they just beat the crap out of each other. It is yes. brutal. They really just lay into each other. And there's a sequence when Batman, you know, he's goes in very confident and too overconfident. And he realizes really quickly that, you know, he references Spawn being feeling like a concrete wall when he kicks him and stuff. And so he starts not holding back and things of that nature. And so they kind of fight, they break up, go lick their wounds and then they clash again and pretty much beat each other down within an inch of their life. And that's kind of when like the main bad guy, she swoops in and finishes Batman off more or less spawn enters Batman's head and is like, Hey idiot, we're uh, on the same side here. Batman is just talking crap the whole time. The entire time. This is like the most out of character Batman. It is insane. Thank you. Batman is just legit talking nonstop crap the entire issue. (laughs) And he's saying the same phrases over and over. He keeps like, what is he? He keeps calling like Spawn a punk at the end of every (laughs) sentence. I'm just like, you're talking about Bruce Wayne, one of the most well-educated people in the comic universe and he can only end sentences by saying punk over and over literally the whole time it's just batman being like you're sloppy punk you don't fight too good punk and it's just like who is this version of batman that's just he does finish everything with punk and he's just it's very out of character super strange and i'm just all right it's very frank miller that's what i put in my notes is like this is probably the most Frank Miller dialogue that you will ever see. If there's like something to point to him, it's this. And it's just so cringy. It's it's almost bad at times with how the dialogue is. But again, it's it very is. 90s. And so um, they kind of team up and defeat you know the main bad guy, the robots together. Spawn starts to dip into his magic a bit. And then... The final shot is them kind of reconciling a little bit, but saying, hey, this Brooklyn's my turf, Gotham's my turf, and they they start to part ways, but not before Batman chucks a battering right in the Spawn's face and just like lodges it right in there, which leads to the scar that we are going to continue to say is the from this particular comic book. 100%. Honestly... With with all of its issues in the series and the horrible banter between the two of them throughout it, like when is Spawn going to be the more eloquent speaker 
between heroes or anti-heroes but in this issue he is surprisingly but at the very end after they they win because there's they they fight each so they fight each other they realize they should be on the same team there's a main uh, female villain that has basically been taking these homeless people cutting off their heads putting them into giant mech robots and doing her bidding because there's like an overgrowing population of homeless people and they're trying to get rid of them. And at the same time, they want to use them for weaponry in for like military tactics, things like that. And it's really weird. It, it ends with a, a nuke being launched into the air and Batman oh, and spawn yes. teleport up there. Yeah. So spawn teleports them onto a nuke. Batman defuses the nuke somehow and it falls in the water and they've won the day. The female villain gets like a building like impaled into her and she's gone. It's very quick and brief. And at the end of the comic, Spawn is like, hey, how about we bury the hatchet? And Batman turns around and he says, bury this. And it just the next scene is a full page of just a battering in the middle of Spawn's head. I can't believe I left that part out. I I totally thought i put that in my notes yeah they go from diffusing a nuke to just batman with a quippy one-liner i just picture him like bury this punk throws his battery and lodges it in al's head (laughs) oh like okay this issue we'll we'll get into which issue we liked more after we talk about the second one but i want to say that probably the thing that i had the biggest laugh from that i don't know if i was supposed to laugh at was this bury this line because oh, I died. It's so funny. I don't know if it was meant to be funny, but it's so funny. I feel like Frank Miller was writing that to be not funny. However, there's no way you can write that without being funny. Like you can't just, there's no possible way that you, you can write this particular bury this moment without it just being hilarious. Oh, it's so cringingly amazing. I, this was the thing I remembered most rereading this issue. This is what I was like, yes, this part, this is what I've been waiting this whole time for. (laughs) And kind of going along the theme of there's never been a bad Alfred in any medium whatsoever. Alfred is probably the most well-written character in this story. (laughs) There's, he has. (laughs) Alfred's just like, no need for jokes. (laughs) <laughs> mm-hmm. He he's so quippy with Batman in the storyline. Like he keeps trying to get Bruce to drink this chamomile tea, and and uh, Alfred says they say chamomile prevents nightmares, even self-inflicted ones. Like he he's just calling Bruce out. <laughs> he's pushing the tea hardcore, and Batman's like, "I am their nightmares," and he's like, "All right, calm down, Bruce." <laughs> yeah the the whole time like and alfred's like do you want to like take off your cowl and batman's like i need to wear this like okay dude the the cap the he was like the mask makes me feel safe and i was like what <laughs> <laughs> you're like okay the the thing i will say that threw me right back into uh todd mcfarland's work on amazing spider-man uh 299 the last page of 299 is you see like venom but you only see like his eyes and teeth in the shadows type of thing and you very much get that vibe from this storyline because when you first see batman he's in the shadows and the only thing you can see 
aside from his silhouette, is just his very bright white teeth and eyes. Yeah, I noticed there was a couple frames early on where it's just Batman with this like Joker-esque look going on Mm -hmm. in the dark where he just has like this massive smile thing going on. I'm like, this is very out of character for Batman. He's just smiling like a maniac in the dark. It's kind of weird. Yeah, it's strange. <laughs> we'll, we'll save our other thoughts comparative-wise to the second issue. So let, let's dive into uh, Batman Spawn War Devil, which dropped in June of 1994. This one was published by DC Comics and was written uh, by three different writers. So this is Doug. First was Doug Mensch, who is the co-creator of Moon Knight and Black Mask. Chuck Dixon, who had a long career working on Punisher and Batman, and Alan Grant, who is known for his work on Judge Dredd in the 2000 AD magazine, as well as working on Batman. And the artist is Klaus Janssen, who many people will know from his work from The Dark Knight Returns, Nightfall, and Daredevil. So I I found it interesting because, you know, they wanted to mix things up because Frank Miller and Klaus Janssen, obviously the team for Dark Knight Returns. And so they threw Janssen over to the DC version of the book while Frank Miller was on the image side of the book. Yes. And they were like, please leave the punks out of it. (laughs) No punks. Luckily, no punks involved in War Devil. Uh, This storyline is... I enjoy the story very much. Uh, This, when I read both of these... Uh, books prior what stood out to me the most was the the underlying theme of war devil this kind of retells the story of roanoke and virginia dare so matches malone is looking for clues on a missing man who's named virgil dare batman follows him to gotham tower which is a building project led by simon vesper who was a man that was actually murdered by Spawn when he was in the military, kind of a mercenary back in the day. Batman finds Dare and learns that he is working to fulfill Vesper's plans. Vesper reappears the day before opening ceremonies and then attacks and kills Dare, thus making a pentagram with his blood that spells out Croatoan. I I think I'm pronouncing that correctly. Croatoan. So Spawn is trying to, he can't really remember what's going on back in his military times or why he killed him necessarily, um, Vespin that is. And so he, or Vesper, that is, he travels to Gotham and Batman and Spawn actually briefly fight where Batman comes out on top in this story more definitively than the last. Batman and Spawn actually then begin kind of working together to solve the mystery. Gotham Tower lights up with the pentagram kind of burning the buildings and all that kind of starts while the rest of Gotham is going dark. And then from there, Gotham's dead kind of start to rise. So it's a very spooky tale, which is pretty cool because it involves kind of best of both worlds there with Spawn and Batman. Batman ends up confronting Vesper at his building's opening ceremonies. And it turns out Vesper is the demon Croatoan who is working for Satan to collect souls for the devil's army. Spawn battles him, but is overpowered. So this is where Batman steps in, helps him, and then Spawn is able to defeat him with the dead returning to the graves and then closing the door to hell. This this story is wild. <laughs> it really was, but I think what they did in this story was they actually did a really good job of capturing the essence of both Spawn and Batman. Like they yes. really showed 
their characters and true to who they were compared to whatever Frank Miller gave us. And that's what I really enjoyed. It was a creepy story that actually fit the mold of something that Batman could be looking for while also being like, yeah, this makes perfect sense why Spawn is here. It has to do with demons in hell. Yes. Oh, it's, I, I love horror and kind of that mystery behind the lost colony that we have uh, from, so like when pilgrims were coming over, there was a colony on, uh, I think Roanoke was an island at like, yeah, uh, Virginia. Yeah. And so there was a settlement. And so ship leaves comes back, I think three years later and literally the entire colony is gone. And there's just a, a word Croatoan like carved into a tree. Yeah, it was, it's, it's one of my favorite like stories in history is like this colony just disappears. And so you've seen so many cool iterations, like you said, of horror depicting this, you know, and American horror story kind of did it. There's been a lot of different pop culture. And so I'm with you. I love horror and I love the horror aspect of this too. And it's really cool how they kind of twisted it to fit the storyline because the demon that ends up being shown or the devil that ends up kind of being the mastermind behind everything is literally named Croatoan. Very similar to the first storyline that we read. It starts off with Batman and Spawn not getting along with one another because this isn't a continuation of their meeting. This is as if they were meeting for the first time again. It does a great job of retelling a story of those two meeting each other, but they, they're, if I remember, they're also vaguely aware of each other's existence beforehand, I think, right? Yes, they, they kind of know of each other. Which I love. I think that was super cool. Kind of adding in some lore, making them both kind of aware in these separate yet the same universes. They are. They finally realize they need to work together. This is something very supernatural. So uh, along the same lines of Batman teaming up with like Justice League Dark to go up against these supernatural beings, joins up with Spawn. So very fitting for that type of character because he's been involved in things like this before like you said already mash their banter one is much better but also very true to their characters in this storyline yeah they both obviously batman plays that tough guy detective kind of thing and then spawn is kind of his more sarcastic kind of manner they're not just talking crap to each other just to talk crap um they both kind of have that superior complex that ego at the same time but what I like about this is they very quickly squash their beef after a quick fight and then decide that, Hey, yeah, we got to work together to solve this bigger issue, which is very much in line with what Batman is compared to him. Just, just ego frenzy beating down spawn talking crap. That's all he cares about rather than the main bad guy that we saw in the other story. Yeah. And this story ends in a way where spawn is kind of monologuing at the very end and he notices like the sacrifices that Batman makes in his life for his city and basically says he, he wants to try and be a, a more like him in a sense for, for that as far as being sacrificing and being there for his people. And it, I feel like it's fitting that this was the one published by DC comics because obviously the image character is giving praise to the DC character, uh, which kind of throws it back. It's funny that in the image printing, it's the DC character that basically 
punks out. Well, you throw the word punk in there again. Punks out the image character. It's so interesting what each publisher decided to do. Because on one hand, you have images like, oh, let's let's throw like a wisecrack at the very end. And they're still not really getting along with one another. Whereas the the DC one, it, it's more of like this uplifting. It's trying to be like, like, yes, we can be better people together. We can better ourselves. And, and uh, it, I thought it was a very interesting contrast between the two. Yeah, it definitely, the styles from the two publishers shine through. Like what Image does is they're more known for their horror. They're more graphic kind of things. And DC, of course, they want to protect their their main guy. Batman is their guy. He's their moneymaker, and he's their symbol of hope. And so they're just very, like you said, the contrast between the two publishers. But I think at the same time, that's what makes it very interesting is seeing everyone's takes on characters they don't get to play with all the time. That's the fun thing about doing these inter-publisher crossovers is that you get a voice on a comic that they wouldn't normally get. They can use that character in a different style. And sometimes it works very well, and other times it it doesn't. But what I would say is, uh, I I really do enjoy uh, War Devil. I think it is an overall very fun, interesting story. So, getting one out of two good crossovers between Batman and Spawn, I think that's a good percentage. Fully agree. I definitely prefer War Devil myself. For the same reasons you said, but also I'm a I'm obviously a fan of both properties and it makes both think of it in a wrestling perspective. It makes both guys come out looking good, looking tough. And then it gives us a really good, creepy story at the same time versus the other storyline, which I it's not that I didn't enjoy the other story. It's just more of like there was nothing really to it where War Devil gives us, you know, a really creepy backstory that kind of showcases everybody's abilities. Whereas Frank Miller's run just kind of had them fighting just to fight. And then the main villain was kind of the background to the whole thing. And so that's why I personally prefer War Devil myself. Yeah. And the thing is, is that in Frank Miller's uh, issue, there's some really cool things that they that could have been expanded on. Like, like you just said with war devil, there's like that backstory that, that really draws you in. Whereas it's just this thrown in your face in the Frank Miller storyline where it's like homeless people, heads cut off there in robots go. Exactly. And you could have expanded the story because I'll bring in invincible for this one, because I'm obsessed is like the Reanimen were such a cool part of that storyline. And now obviously there are multiple issues to develop that story, but kind of along those same lines, this could have been something to dive into just a little bit more in that Frank Miller story that really could have rounded it out because it's Frank Miller. He's written some of the greatest comics, period. And like on paper, Frank Miller, Todd McFarlane doing Batman Spawn is like a beautiful, incredible mashup that I would sink my teeth into. But the, the final product just isn't it's just not quite there. They didn't mesh very well. It should have been the Mona Lisa. You know, we should have hung it in the Louvre. However, yeah, it just was missing something. And uh, not for nothing, Frank Miller really likes taking shots at Russians when he can as well. If you, especially in this Dark Knight, Dark Knight Returns universe, it's like he's always got to take shots at the Russians in some way. Yeah, I, I don't hate him for it. 
I don't either. I just think it's something funny that I always notice with a lot of his comics is like anywhere he can like make quips about Russia or something. I'm just like, all right, Frank, I get it. I see you, Frank. <laughs> now, I, I thought it would be interesting that if, if we I'll, I'll say kind of a, a point or like a, something associated with the comic and you tell me if you you like the uh Batman Spawn, or no, it's so it's Spawn Batman, which is the Frank Miller one. So Spawn Batman or War Devil. Okay, so we'll we'll say which one we prefer for. So the cover, which one do you prefer? I actually liked the the Frank Miller, the Batman Spawn for for this one. I for some reason I enjoyed the the cover a lot. It sucked me in right away. Absolutely, yeah. You can't go wrong with a Dark Knight Returns homage cover. No, not at all. So overall story, I think we can both agree War Devil takes that one. Yes, big time. Yeah. Okay. Art. I prefer War Devil because with with Batman Spawn, it felt like everything was too pointy. Like Batman's capes are like pointed up like he's an ancient old vampire, which I get kind of, I understand what he's going for as far as his artwork. That's just his style. But I felt like the War Devil was more clean in the way the artwork was presented and the fights and everything like that. So I'll, I'll agree that I think you're right. War devil is cleaner, but I'm a nineties baby. I love those sharp pointy angles. Give me Todd McFarlane's art all day like that. I will take it. I love it. (laughs) Yeah. I respect that. (laughs) And, and then of course we've already mentioned it kind of like the, the better portrayal of, like the characters to their core is also going to be in war devil. So obviously there's some great things to love about both of these comics. I strongly suggest everyone out there read both of them because they're just, they're fun. They're, they're meant to be this weird wacky thing in the world. And sometimes you just need to read a weird comic. Yeah. There's absolutely nothing wrong. Like just because we like prefer one more than the other doesn't mean that you shouldn't check both of them out. I mean, again, we, we sometimes get too spoiled in the things that we're, you know, fed as far as geeks. So really check out both comics, decide for yourself. There's a lot to like within each different comic book, just because we didn't like something. I still found something enjoyable as far as Batman spawn, just beating each other to a pulp. And just, you know, I, I was, I definitely laughed more in Batman spawn, whereas war devil was more of a serious book. So it just matter of tone, what you're in the mood for. Definitely check out both these comics. One thing I was thinking about when I was reading it is I wish rather than doing one issue for each publisher, I wish they had done what JLA Avengers did, which was tell a a fully flushed out storyline over four issues, but every other issue is published by the other publisher. But then we could have gotten a very well-developed storyline that could have been very, very cool. Yeah, I fully agree there because... In one issue, you know, you get like 20, 25 pages. You're really not able to convey too much. You have to really cram in as much as you can if this is your one and only shot. And so I would have loved getting four to six issues where every other one is the other team taking a crack at it, bringing this one overarching theme. I That would have been amazing. Yeah. The, the wild thing is that did you know we were actually meant to get another Batman Spawn crossover? I did not. We were. Yes. So it was planned to release in 2006 and it was going to be called Spawn Batman Inner Demons. 
It was going to be written. This time it was going to be written by Todd McFarlane. And because of that, do you think you have a guess at who would do the art? Were they, would it have been, what I feel like the obvious answer is like George Perez or something like that on this. <laughs> that would have been wild. Uh, it, so it's Greg Capullo. He was going to oh, do the art. Wow. Actually, yeah. I love Greg Capullo's Batman artwork. Like he is, has one of my favorite suits from that new 52 run. That's like my favorite Batman suit. So man, I feel like we were robbed there for sure. I agree. I, I thought that would have been great because Capullo's work on spawn too, is some of my favorite designs for that character. Oh yeah. He, I have no doubt he would have crushed it. Maybe one day, maybe one day we can get. Yeah. I'm down. It like, I feel like image, like image is more likely to have a crossover with DC at this point than Marvel having a crossover with DC. So definitely more likely to happen. So you, you never say never, but exactly. this storyline was going to include the clown and the Joker. Dang. That would have been amazing. See, yeah. now I feel robbed. Now I feel like I'm missing out. I got that fear of missing out happening right now. That would have been bonkers. And then like reading that, and I just realized, how did we not get at least a cameo appearance from the clown or the Joker in these two storylines? Yeah, that's like you could have easily like if you're handed a Batman spawn crossover, you very easily could have made a one off featuring those characters. So I'm very surprised we didn't get mention of them at all. Yeah, maybe they were just like, you know, every single crossover we do, it's always involving Joker. So let's yeah. not involve him for these. But like not having the clown involved was wild to me and i can't believe i didn't even think of that before i read that agreed i didn't think about it until you said it either because you're right we always get you know the joker and things like that shoehorned into every batman story so it's like wow i'm kind of surprised the one time yeah. they sh they sideline him mm -hmm. so it, it's just we just have to make again our own headcanon has got to be we we develop the storyline Exactly. We're going to maybe one day we'll write our own comic via podcasting. I like I already envision is it it's the clown and Joker teaming up together and they stick and like they trap essentially Batman and Spawn in this like horror version of a carnival because it's very fitting with yeah. the clown theme and they just see these like horrible monstrosities and they have to go up against different acts that would have been involved in one of those traveling carnival shows. Yeah. Like that would have been wild. Oh, hell yeah. Give me that, that or like we're overdue for another spawn film anyways, too. Like speaking of, you know, cause we haven't seen spawn in a long time. I'm surprised they haven't been trying to bring hit, like revive his character at all. Cause he's a pretty big hit. Yeah. J Jamie, like Jamie Fox is supposed to be playing spawn. Isn't he? That's what I, I thought like this. I feel like that's been in developmental hell for years now, because I feel like I've heard about this for as long as black Adam and Dwayne Johnson have been tied together. <laughs> what What is it? The hierarchy of image comics. Is <laughs> <laughs> oh man. So any, any final thoughts for these Batman spawn crossovers? No, I think that uh, we definitely need more crossovers like this in the future, especially to kind of reintroduce some of these characters, let them cross over, bring fan bases together and, you know, let kids who are just getting into comics 
see some of this because I feel like nowadays publishers are too afraid to do crossovers. You don't really see it anymore. And so I wish we can kind of get back to our roots and it's like, we make this for entertainment. Let's have some fun once in a while. Which is why I love like a lot of, I feel like IDW is doing a good job with that right now is because in recent time, we've gotten the Batman TMNT crossovers we got uh, He-Man Thundercats. There's and not that IDW did all of those, but like there's there's just a lot of there's some fun ones going on right now. But you're right. There, I want more more crossovers because I'll keep buying them. I do. Oh, I I too. find the trades. I want them all. I absolutely do. And that Batman and Ninja Turtles was amazing, and it's one of the more highly regarded comic crossovers or comics. Like that's one I always hear people talking about. So I'm surprised they're not like, let's get people more of this to capitalize. There's so many, there's been so many canceled ones too, which I'm so disappointed by. There was supposed to be a, what was it? There was a canceled Ninja Turtle He-Man crossover. Mm. And the, the promo art that was released for it showed a a uh, an amalgam version of shredder and skeletor together man see uh, i would all take all my money and then right now we have power rangers and godzilla crossing over two of my favorite properties of all time are crossing over right yeah. now it's amazing yeah being written by colin bunn one of like my favorite writers in comics who's been on our show which is crazy to me exactly and he's writing it and Man, you have such a, a killer team because Freddie Williams is doing the artwork on it too. And he did the Batman Ninja Turtles. And so the artwork is fantastic. The story is fantastic. So I recommend that crossover that's happening right now. Mm-hmm. 100%. So much fun. Well, now that we're kind of wrapping up, Mash, how about you let our listeners know where they can find you, download the podcast, get on social media, where can they find you? Yeah, so the easiest thing to find our episodes, everything is hopsnews.beer. You'll find our episodes, our merch, the links to our all of our stuff. And uh, we write articles as far as like going to Disney, where you can kind of find guides to Disney. We write reviews, all that kind of good stuff. So go ahead and go there. We're on every major podcasting platform. And then Twitter, Instagram, just go to Hops Geek News. And Lauren runs the Instagram. I run the Twitter. And we have fun. We like to interact. And that's how I got to meet this fine man sitting across from me virtually right now. And the world is better for it. Yeah, I agree. And again, I like, I love your show. Hopskeek news is fantastic. You and Lauren have phenomenal banter, better banter than Batman and spawn and the Frank Miller. (laughs) Let's just start calling her a punk and see if she picks up eventually. (laughs) (laughs) But, but seriously, if you're listening to this podcast, if you enjoy comic book keepers, please jump over to Hopskeek News. Check out their content. They put out so many great issues, and it's always a fun time. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Of course. It's time to close the book on Spawn Batman and Batman Spawn War Devil. So until next time, this is Lance. And I'm Matt. Reminding you that just like our love for George Perez and his career, the crossovers are infinite.
jacuzzis. <laughs>